friend. And here's what he had to say. I've got an assignment for you, Keed. I want 25,000 words a month. One story, that is, and this is all caps, action. The type of yarn, for instance, where a group of people are marooned in, say, a hilltop castle with a violent storm raging and all the bridges out and the electric power gone and the roof threatening to cave in and corpses falling down the stairs and hanging in the attic and boards creaking under somebody's weight in the dark. Can that be the killer? And flashes of lightning illuminating the face of the murderer, only the son of a bitch is wearing a mask that makes him look even more horrible. And finally, the girl who has been given into the safekeeping of the only person who is absolutely not the killer. Only he turns out to be the killer, of course, but he has taken the girl where no one can get to save her, and you damn well know he is raping her while everybody stands around helpless. Do these stories in the style Burroughs, old Edgar Rice Burroughs of Tarzan fame, used to use? You know, take one set of characters and carry them along for a chapter putting them at the end of the chapter in such a position that nothing can save them. Then take another set of characters, rescue them from their dilemma, carry them to a hell of a problem at the end of the chapter, then switch back to the first set of characters, rescue them from their deadly peril, carry them along to the end of the chapter, where once again they are seemingly doomed. Then rescue the second set of characters, and so on. Don't give the reader a chance to breathe. Keep him on the edge of his goddamn chair all the way through. <laughs> to hell with clues and spark dialogue and characterization. Don't worry about corn. Give me pace and bang bang. That's in all caps. Make me breathless, bud. Well, there was a man who knew maybe more about the business than people give, might have given him credit for. He ended up as a story editor at 20th Century Fox some years later. But what he says here maybe has more applicability to what we are doing than you might imagine. He says, don't worry about corn, do make it slam bang, all right. These are elements which do have applicability to almost everything. That's why I said earlier to beware of the subtle. Try to write a story that will grab your reader, a novel that they can't put down. And now let's talk about how do you go about conceiving a novel? How do you go about thinking up a novel? Well, in the first place, Let's define a novel. It's going to be a very long and complicated definition. Here it is in six words. A novel is a long story. And that's about all you can say in the way of defining a novel. Because there are so many kinds of novels. Now, when you go about conceiving a novel thinking up a novel, getting started on a novel, you really need three things, and they are not necessarily, I'm not giving them in an order that has any bearing, really. You need an idea, 
You need a person and you need a situation. And as I say, they're not necessarily in that order. They are what hits you, what grabs you when you sit down to begin. But we'll take them one at a time here as if there was some kind of order involved. The first thing, the idea. And the simple way to get an idea is to ask yourself a two-word question. The question is, what if? What if this happened? What if that happened? What if the other thing happened? I recall one book that I did, which turned out to be pretty successful, or well, at least it got publication in a bunch of countries and a bunch of versions, when I was doing a script for a mental film. They had a gadget, which some of you may have encountered, an electroencephalograph, a device for measuring brain waves to oversimplify the thing a great deal. And in the course of looking it over and talking with people about it, that what if popped into my mind. What if we extrapolated this into the future? What if we moved it up into a time when it could do all kinds of things that it couldn't do now? Now, I suspect that anyone who read the book didn't feel that, was not aware that an electroencephalograph was involved because by the time I got through, it had been changed and warped and the whole thing had been set up in an entirely different fashion. But that's where the idea came from. And ideas can come from just anywhere as long as they raise that what if question in your mind and you find an angle that turns you on. And that, I think, needs emphasis. somebody else's idea is not necessarily worth a darn where you are concerned. You want an idea which will make you think, oh boy, this has all kinds of possibilities. I might add that probably about 90% of the time you will be wrong. When you get to working on it further, you will discover that it isn't really that good an idea. But unless you grab those ideas as they go by, you are throwing away your greatest opportunity. So what you do is take the idea and run with it. And the way that you build on that idea is what Frederick Brown, the late Frederick Brown, a science fiction and mystery writer of considerable renown a few years ago called accretion. That is to say, the building of a thing by adding of bits and pieces as they come to you, uh, hunting up things. One of the best ways to get that accretion is to do a little research. All of you like to do research, or do any of you like to do research? Let's see, some hands. 
All right, I might add, research can be a snare. Because you start researching, and pretty soon you are so intrigued with the research that you never got around to writing the novel. <laughs> I had a woman who had a great idea years ago, and she bogged down because she felt that it was absolutely necessary. She knew the exchange rate of Turkish piasters in Venice in 1300. Okay, this thing, I'm, I'm trapped by this as often as anyone else. I find that something just seems, I've got to know about it. But it's, it's great fun. And it does give you books in the long haul. Now people say, oh, but I can't do this kind of thing. I don't know how to think up. And so I will tell you what a sadistic professor can do to people like that. I would hear this many times in the course of my years teaching writing. And I finally developed the perfect answer. I kept a screwdriver in my desk drawer. And when somebody said, I just can't get ideas, I would take out the screwdriver. I would go over to the door, to the room, and I would remove the doorknob. You know how a doorknob is. There's a knob on this side, there's a knob on this side, and there's a shaft through the middle. And so I'd bring this back, and I'd plunk it down on the desk.